Welcome to the Wellspring Church podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Now, as I said, we're in our Authentic Relationship series. And uh, Authentic Relationship, the key behind this, well, the theme behind it is simply being more real with God enables us to be more real with one another. Doing relationship with God better will mean our relationships with one another will be better. And so what we've tried to do so far is that we're working our way through Scripture progressively and looking at some particular stories where we can see what we can learn from the interactions between the characters, between the people and God himself. And so last week, we were looking at Joseph and his brothers, and we were learning about purpose and pain. And today, we're going to be looking at the characters of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. And through that story, through them relating together, we're going to be looking at loss and loyalty. Loss and loyalty. And uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Ruth. That's where you'll uh, find all this. And we're going to be taken through that in just a moment. But the thing to share is an overall understanding from the book of Ruth. When, when we address loss, I feel When we experience loss in our lives, we ourselves can end up feeling lost, okay? So when you lose part of yourself or through misfortune, you feel like you're missing part of yourself or who you are. And in fact, some of the time when when this is happening, we need others around us to hold us and support us through those times. As some of you may know, in 2018, myself and my wife, Hannah, Um, we experienced a miscarriage. And in that time, there was a process of feeling absolutely lost. You know, not only have we felt like we've lost a family member, but we've lost plans, we've lost hopes, we've lost dreams. And I'm so grateful that God continued to be faithful to us, but even in feeling lost, it was actually people around us, loved ones around us, holding us, being loyal to us, speaking God's word and truth, praying with us and for us, that helped us find ourselves, to help us find ourselves in God despite our situation and circumstance. And as many of you may know or even seen this morning, not only did we find ourselves, but God has redeemed us and actually brought forth another child so we have Olivia in the following year of our lives. You see, when we experience loss, we can definitely feel lost. And we need people around us in those times when we can't even see God clearly to speak the truth of God into our lives. And this is what we're going to be looking at today from the book of Ruth. God's heart is that we would find ourselves again in him. Not simply find ourselves not simply be brought back out of our pain of situation and circumstance, but find ourselves in God. But it's also, I believe, God's heart for some of us in this room, particularly where we are on the edge of giving up on some relationships, on holding on to people, on clinging on to people, trying to help them, trying to speak God's goodness into their lives, trying to just be a good friend, I don't know, relative. 
and we're at the point of not seeing any change, not seeing any different. Things maybe even deteriorate and getting worse, and we're, we're just about to feel sort of back out or put our expectations lower, where God is saying, hold on, hold on. So we're going to look at the book of Ruth together, and you'll find that, I mean, if you're just using your phones, you'll just find it by tapping it, but <laughs> for the rest of you, after Deuteronomy, you've got Joshua, Judges, then Ruth. And so the book of Ruth is in the context of Israel being in the promised land of Canaan, but without a king. And this is where we pick up the story. And just We're going to take it from verse 6. So just to let you know, there's a family originally from Bethlehem that moves down to Moab. And the important thing to, to realize about Moab, Moab is not part of the promised land. So it's a foreign land, okay? And so this family goes to Moab, and unfortunately, the husband passes away. Now, they went down with two sons. And so Naomi, being the mother, her two sons marry Moabite women, foreign women. That's really important for the context of this story as well and to bring meaning. But unfortunately, again, this is so harsh on Naomi, both sons pass away, leaving Naomi with two daughters-in-law. And so this is where we pick up the story. Verse 6. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvests was beginning. 
I hope I'm in safe company here to admit a few character flaws. <laughs> How many of you have called people, maybe in your lives, bad names? Yes? Yeah? Maybe some siblings, maybe you even said something bad to somebody this morning. Well, I grew up with a brother and sister, I'm the eldest, and um, yeah, we, we shared a lot of bad names for one another, many of which I cannot repeat in here, but because this is a family of grace, do, do you have grace for maybe two examples? Yeah? Some of you want more ammo, don't you? You're like, yeah, give me some new words. So me and my uh, siblings, some of the things we'd say to one another, one of my favourites was calling them squid face. Squid face went down a tree, and the other one was bumhead. So I know, I know, right? I, gosh, never thought you'd hear that from the preaching pulpit, but oh gosh, there's grace. See, the, the issue was we had a bit of a laugh, maybe we had a bit of a cry, maybe you know, we were at each other, but here's the thing. Those names weren't who they really were. What we said to one another by calling people bad names or you know, coming up with nicknames, they weren't true. They weren't the right perspective. And what we find in this story is Naomi has lost herself. Naomi has renamed herself. She goes from Naomi, which means pleasant, to Mara, which means bitter. And if you pick up that through the story of the Exodus, you'll find this is very interesting. Well, for me, it's interesting. When the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, when they were looking for sustenance and for refreshment, they came to a place where there was actually a pool of water. But when they went to drink from that pool of water, they said it was bitter. And so that place was called Mara, looking for sustenance and then being let down, the fortune, that misfortune there. But Naomi called herself a new name. And I want us to see this. She used the situation and circumstances to dictate who God is to her. Remember, I said about it being the right, when we call people names, we're saying that's not the right perspective. Naomi calls herself Mara based on the situation and circumstance she's lived through and then says this is who God is. That's very important for us to notice. So she says about God that God has turned against me. This is her view. This is her perspective. She says, God has made my life bitter. She says, God has afflicted me. Interesting, the Hebrew word for afflicted means his testimony is against me. This is what Naomi is believing about her God. And in verse 21, it says, my God has brought me back empty. Just a reminder though, she has Naomi, uh, Naomi has Ruth. She has a daughter-in-law, but she's, I've been brought back empty. Also, interestingly there, so Naomi says God has brought her back, but did God ever send her out? Because what you have to understand, throughout the narrative of the Old Testament, there's more going on in terms of the story when you talk about the promised land. You'll see, whenever people leave the promised land, and there is a recurring theme of famine, people leave the promised land because of famine, to do with God's judgment, but we won't talk about that right now. They leave the promised land, and then they fall into misfortune. And it seems that whenever they go back, 
representing going back to the promised land, representing going back to God, representing repentance, things change for their better. What we have to learn from Naomi, who lost herself in chapter one, is that loss and misfortune does not define you. Loss and misfortune doesn't define your God either. Loss and misfortune is just a situation and circumstance you may find yourself in and find yourself walking through. But that shouldn't define you. Your identity, our identity, comes from God. So here's the thing. Here's the thing from Naomi. We have to see God clearly for who he is. And Naomi saw God based on the situation and circumstance she was in, not for who he really is, not for the word that proceeded before her. We must understand and get to know God and relate to God through his word, through his revealed word, through his spirit in this day, but from him, not simply through situation and circumstance that we are in. And so we have in this story, they are returning to the promised land, which could signify even to Naomi going back to God. Although she calls herself Mara, she's drawing close, at least by proximity. She's drawing close, so hold on to that. Now, Ruth, on the other hand, Naomi has, you know, she's lost. She's lost herself. Ruth finds God. Interesting, isn't it? So despite all that Naomi or Mara has to say about her God, we have Ruth clinging hold of Naomi. In fact, clinging hold of Naomi's people, Naomi's God. In that verse, what is it? Verse 16, Naomi, um, sorry, Ruth lists some promises. She says, I will. In the NIV, you've got it three times, and then it continues into the next verse. Actually, in the Hebrew, it's four times. And in that, she says, your people will be my people. Your God, my God. The word she uses for God, or at least how it's written down in the text, is simply Elohim, which means God, creator God. Now, watch this. As the verse continues into 17, and as she continues to speak about God, Ruth, the Moabite, the foreigner, who has other gods from her land, as we've seen from the text, she says, the Lord. Not God Elohim. She says, the Lord, which in, you know, in your Bible is L-O-R-D in capitals, because she's calling God, by the very name he revealed unto Moses, the great I am. So here we have a Moabite woman, not just calling God God, but calling God the relational God that he is. I am Yahweh, the Lord. It's very interesting, isn't it? How, despite the situation and circumstance that Naomi finds herself in, and Naomi proceeds to say and antagonize and say what God is like, that we have Ruth, a Moabite, a foreigner, saying, your God is the God I want to be with. He is the great I am. And so in this, we have to see from Ruth's perspective, not to determine who God is through somebody else's perspective through somebody else's situation or circumstance. Do not let your situation or someone else's situation dictate who God is for you. It's got to line up with who God says he is. It's got to line up with his revealed word. And so Ruth 
and Naomi are back in Bethlehem now. And we're going to continue the story and see how loyalty, what loyalty of the, of the um, sorry, the value of loyalty and what that does for Ruth and her family. So if you want to turn with me to Ruth chapter 2, verses 4 to 13, and then we're going to jump a bit of text and then go from that straight into 19 and 20. We're, what, what we're having here is Ruth and Naomi are going to meet somebody called Boaz, which is actually a family relative of Naomi, and he's a landowner, and uh, he's a farmer, and it just so happens that Ruth ends up picking up the leftover grains during the harvest, so she's got something to live by, something for her and Naomi to live by. So let's pick it up from verse, what did I say, four. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz, uh, Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. Interesting, isn't it? They're not calling her Mara. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have, I found so, uh, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, who's, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. Ruth ends up returning back home and uh, speaks to Naomi, and this is the following conversation. Her mother-in-law asked her from verse 19, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. We'll stop there. And I'll share a bit more about guardian redeemers. There's a, a few customs in this story which, would, which are odd and sound strange to us, but it was just the proceeds of the day. But first of all, let's just look back at Ruth's loyalty. Loyalty, and in this case, Ruth's loyalty to Naomi, loyalty finds favor. When you're loyal, when you're faithful, when you're committed, when you hold on, when you cling to, you'll find favour. And the favour that you have doesn't just help others, but the favour you receive also can open the door and help you. The favour, I believe, that Naomi received was partly because of Ruth. 
They didn't call her Mara, and I wonder why. Was it because they'd observed the relationship of Naomi and Ruth? For she had not come back empty-handed. Here's the thing I want us to understand about being loyal in our relationships and in our friendships. When we're loyal, we may not receive favor immediately. Life is part of a journey, and favor will come in all different forms and sizes and things like this. But notice how Boaz talks about blessing from the Lord towards Ruth. He doesn't just say, may the Lord repay you. In our lives, when we're faithful, when we're loyal to people, it's not just so that God would repay us. Look what Boaz says. says. Boaz says, may you richly, richly be rewarded. Be richly rewarded. Not just repaid for your loyalty. And so there's a holding on not just to get back what has been given, but way over and above. And this is the nature of our God. You know, when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about God restoring life in our lives, the word of restoration is kind of lost in the West in our understanding. Restoration, biblically, means restored better than what it was before. So when Jesus comes to bring life, what does he do? He brings life. That's great. That's good. But what does he bring life to? Brings life in all its fullness, in abundance, in extra, in plenty. And so when we are loyal, it's not wrong of you to expect that God will open up favor and favor that goes beyond simply paying you back. The Lord is generous. He's exceedingly abundant and wants to give out of the riches of himself. In fact, not just of himself. He wants to give of the riches of Jesus. He didn't even spare his son so that we could have life and life to the full. Loyalty finds favor. But this is the thing. Loyalty is really difficult with certain people in certain situations when you're journeying with them and you're not seeing change. You want to give up. And this is what I'll end with at the end. It's really difficult, especially if we're not seeing favorite in the way that we would like it. just want to encourage you already at this point. Hold on. Loyalty finds favor. Even though you may feel lost, you might find favor. In fact, if you keep at it, you will find favor. Now, the guardian redeemer or the family redeemer, the king's redeemer, this is a practice that relates back to a law, the Levitical law. So from Moses' time through the Exodus, where if a man was, a husband was to die and leave a widow behind, in terms of looking at God's heart, just because it sounds all strange, right? I'm just trying to give you God's heart. God's heart is still to care for that widow. And the nature, the, the setup for that time was that a relative, the brother, would marry the widow so that in order to preserve the family line. Okay? And that's a very important thing running through, the tes- uh, well, through both Testaments, but actually the Old Testament. Preserving the family line, the name, and here it is as well, land. Because it was to do with inheritance and land. So what we find out is Boaz is a relative who could potentially marry Ruth if all things go to plan. And so we're going to pick up the story now in chapter 3, continue it. I mean, Ruth is a great book. It's only four chapters, so I thought we'd, we'd do the whole thing. So Ruth chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. 
And uh, just another custom that you've just missed out on as we're coming in here is a way... Um, women didn't really propose back then. They could show their intentionality. They could show that they were available. And it was a strange custom used here. But what they would do, or what has been done, is they would remove the blanket of the man to expose his feet, and they would warm his feet with themselves. So... I'm not sure that's the way I would like anybody to share in this day and age. Hey, I'm interested. <laughs> that's probably a way to really like stop the interest straight away. But anyway, this is a custom and practice. And Naomi encourages Ruth to do this. And Ruth, being loyal, does. So this is what happens. Uh, verse 10. This is what um, Boaz says to Ruth. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, uh, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Ooh. A <laughs> plot twist. Stay here for the night and in the morning. If he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman has came to the threshing floor. Loyalty finds opportunity. So there's favor, people, how they experience you and look at you and maybe get something just to provide, but opportunity for more, especially here for Ruth. But look, we have to look from Boaz's kind of perspective here. Boaz has just been given opportunity to a good time, a quick good time maybe, an evening, and then he could just leave her. And that probably was, at that time, some of the nature of men at the scene there. They would take up any opportunity. And just in this day and age, we can just take up opportunities and just run with them and make them for ourselves. Yeah? Instant gratification, instant replenishment, instant, yes, I'm having a good time. This is going to work for me. This is paving the way for me. But look at Boaz. He honours even the word of the Lord in how this is supposed to unfold. So he doesn't take the opportunity straight away. He honors the fact that he's not even next in line and says, I'll wait at the risk. This is what blows my mind. At the risk of losing Ruth. At the risk of not having Ruth as his wife, he says, no, there's a way we have to do this. This is really deeply challenging to me. Because even in my personality, when I see God opening up a door, an opportunity to me, I just rush straight in. I'm excited. I'm all like, God's made this happen. I'm going to go and do things. And I suddenly stop journeying with God because I've journeyed with God up to the opportunity. Do you hear what I'm saying here? What I'm trying to say is when we have an opportunity from God, it's really important to take that opportunity as he wants it to be taken. So it's not my way, it's his way. And here's the hard thing, guys. I'm sorry, I know you want to hear something else. It's not my time. It's not our timing. It's according to his timing. 
And so when God brings you revelation, God brings you opportunity, God does something, drops something, a heart, a vision, a, a thing you've got in your heart for purpose, please, God, when is this for? How would you like me to journey this through? Because if I take this opportunity my way, could there be the potential that I actually forego the opportunity? Could I ruin that opportunity? Could I have something less than what you've intended? Absolutely. And so I'm grateful we see Boaz taking the proceedings of how the law tells us. Now, so what we've got, we're going to finish now in Ruth chapter 4. And uh, just to say, uh, to speed up the story, another weird custom, but basically um, Boaz meets with his other family member at the gate of Bethlehem. That's where they do their kind of uh, agreements and things and bring some elders in. They discuss and the elder relative says, you can have Ruth and uh, hands him some footwear. It's just part of the daily custom, but that was to agree it. And so we're just going to pick up what happens from verse 13 right through to 16. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi... Naomi has a son, not Ruth. Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And there you have it. Suddenly, this story takes another plot twist. It's actually God's sovereign plan all along, and we have the family line of not just King David, but of Christ Jesus himself. It was interesting this morning as we were praying for the services, somebody was just saying they were struck and reading from Matthew's gospel in the genealogy of Jesus, the people that God chose, not just chose, but chose to mention in the gospel to say, this is who Jesus Christ came from. Amazing. And so Jesus Christ comes from down the line from Ruth, a Moabite, a foreigner who calls upon the God of Israel. Loyalty finds new life. Because of Ruth's loyalty, Naomi found life. She has a grand well, a grandson. But not only does she have a grandson, she has a grandson from the lineage of King David and Jesus. Because of a redeemer, because of a king's redeemer, but because of a redeemer, bitter circumstances or a bitter identity becomes a pleasant one. Naomi, meaning pleasant. At the beginning of Ruth, chapter 1, we are opening up to tragedy and death. And there's a process, there's a cycle, there's a returning back to the promised land, returning back to God. And by the end of chapter 4, we are now greeted with joy and new life. A situation and circumstance has completely transformed. God has brought restoration and loyalty. The loyalty of Ruth to Naomi has been keen, key to that, found favor. 
found opportunity and found new life. So how to respond? I think the Lord has it on his heart for those who feel, who feel they are lost or through situations and circumstances who feel they've lost a part of themselves. The Lord's heart is to bring you back into a deeper relationship with himself so that you find yourself not just in who you are, but you find yourself in him, despite, regardless of the situation or circumstance. But here's the other one, and this is really personal to me. I felt God really doing something with me this week as I prepared this. There are some of us in this room who've been journeying with people and loved ones, as I have myself, where because of situation and circumstance, because of repeated lack of change, movement, and things getting worse, my expectations with my friends and family and loved ones are down here with God, with God, because this is all I've seen so far. But God's heart is to call me, to call us, to believe for more, because God is so much better than what I've limited him to because of my own situation or circumstance or what I've seen in other people's lives. There's people who struggle with depression and anxiety, all sorts of difficulties, loneliness, or maybe just things of breaking out of a cycle of no work or no opportunity or, or just health. And the Lord wants you not to give up on those people, not to give up on their situation, even when they may have given up on it too. I really believe the Lord's heart is to give us faith, to raise up our in our faith and to say, hold on, because your loyalty will provide favour, will provide an opportunity, will provide life. So even though we may be walking a journey of tragedy, maybe we've even experienced death, whether biologically or just in our circumstances, the Lord wants to bring restoration, not just to bring you back to par, but beyond that, so you experience joy and new life. Do you believe that, church? Good, because we're going to believe that together. Um, If I could have the band up, and I'm simply going to pray a welcoming prayer for God to minister into those two areas, and we'll let the praise and worship take us in our kind of unpacking of what the Lord wants to do. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a loving, faithful God. You're not just God Elohim, but you're God Yahweh, the great I am. And so, Father, you know what's going on in people's hearts and minds. You know the situation, circumstance, the journey they've been on. And I pray right now that you would just speak your word. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you. Speak your word and help us find ourselves back in you. And Father, for those who we're holding in our hearts right now, for those we're holding for and contending for and living for, Lord God. I pray, Father, we would not lose hope, not lose heart, but we would regain a new grip, a new hope in you to see their situation, circumstance change for the better. Lord, we welcome your life into our lives right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9am and 11am in person and online.